Hello, welcome to episode five of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast for the state of Michigan alongside Lanphier High School Head Coach Adam Woolley. I'm your host, Rob Mendeika. This week, we had a chance to talk to Noah Fisher, a Division One player from Northern Kentucky, who gives us the inside scoop on what it's like day in and day out to be a D1 athlete. But before that, let's take a few minutes to acknowledge our sponsors who are here to support us as we look to grow the game of high school baseball across the state of Michigan. State Champs Extra Innings Podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including baseball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and the Recruit Yourself link. Extra Innings is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is in need of officials. Go to mhsaa.com for more information on becoming an official. Not only is it a great part-time gig, but it's a way for you to stay connected to the game or games you love. Support the kids, give back, and get paid. Information is just a whistle away. Go to mhsaa.com slash officials. The pros at the Detroit Medical Center's Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine want you to check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page or on the website statechampsnetwork.com or on the State Champs Michigan social media channels. And for immediate access to care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And finally, the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday, June 14th at the incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. This year's nominees to be announced any day now. For more information, head over to DACAthleteoftheyear.com. And then let's also pass along to listeners a very special thank you to the Michigan High School Baseball Coaches Association. The MHSBCA works tirelessly to promote the game of baseball by creating opportunities for coaches to connect and stay informed through clinics, social media, and incredible events like the annual high school all-star game and Hall of Fame inductions. And Rob, just to uh, drop a little bit on you, yeah. there is going to be some information on this coming out real, real soon. Awesome. Uh, we firmed up dates with the uh, Tigers and that's coming. But for more information and to stay connected, check out their website at www.mhsbca.org. That's www.mhsbca.org. The All-Star Game is one of the, you know, the top events for the for the entire high school baseball season. So if you're looking forward to that, I know I am. So make sure you're paying attention going to mhsbca.org. Uh, but let's do what we do best. Well, let's get to some game summaries. What's going on with Lavonia Franklin? Well, Livonia Franklin's improved now to 13-3 and on the season after going 3-1. and The only loss coming at the hands of the talented Detroit Western International Cowboys, who uh, we're going to be facing this Thursday. Um, highlight of the week was a five-inning perfect game from junior Zach Alessic. Um, we talk about Zach week in and week out. Seems like um, it. Yeah, he, uh, he did this over Westland Glen. And Zach's first perfect game this year already uh, went along with oh. a no-hitter and a questionable one-hitter. I actually talked to his coach, Matt Fournier, and Matt told me, he said, Man, I went back and forth about whether that that ball should have been uh, fielded. And he's like, realistically, Zach could actually have two no-nos and a perfect game this year. So keep wow. humming along out there, Zach. Good job. I, I can't believe that. That's that's incredible. Uh, the Clintondale Dragons had a pretty special week as well. Senior Ethan Zabel was practically untouchable Monday afternoon. The senior struck out 18, that's right, 18-1-8, while tossing a no-hitter in the Dragons 2-0 win over New Haven. The six and one righty, the six foot one, sorry, not six one, the six foot one righty kept his pitch count efficient, eating only 83 pitches on the day. Then on Wednesday, freshman Justin Myers followed it up by tossing a no no in a mercy over the Rockets just two days later. My goodness. Yeah, they were humming along. I mean, 83 pitches in a perfect game like that. It was just you incredible. can't do that on the sh- you can't do that on the show. Like no, you, can't. you can't you can't do it. It's not possible. <laughs> I, I I bet you a lot of kids would like beg to differ with that. But yeah, yeah no, yeah. you're right. It's incredible. And uh, I don't care what level you are. Um, yeah. My hats off to the Dragons. Two you know no nos in a row and one perfect game. So it yeah. was pretty cool. You know, absolutely that was pretty awesome. Absolutely. And speaking of that, pitching was the name of the game. In our upset of the week. Woo. So perennial powerhouse Celine took out the previously undefeated Orchard Lake St. Mary's Eaglets 2-1. Liam Yelzma tossed a complete game gem. He's a lefty, keeping his defense involved and working out of trouble a few times. He faced it. But, Rob, the Eaglets bounced right back <laughs> after taking two uh, from Divine Child uh, the next day. So it was like Divine Child got the reap. You know, the benefits of coming off of that. Right. Eaglets now are up to, excuse me, 23 and one overall and 16 and oh in the CHSL. Not a bad bounce back. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, well, I wanted to ask you here before we go to our interview of the week, um, you know, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, obviously we've talked to their coach. We've talked to Brock Porter. We know the talent that's on that team losing a close game like that with all that talent two to one. It's not like they lost 15 to 14 or something crazy. Um, you know, what is the message, you know, as a coach to yourself, who's having a pretty darn good start to the season yourself, you know, what, how do you approach that? Is it, is it year to year or is it, you know, one of those things where you kind of just let it play out or is it something where you need to nip in the butt right away? Well, you know, we've talked at length about my coaching career, having uh, different levels to it and everything like that. And I will tell you in 2011, my baseball team was expected to be a state championship contender about a legitimate state championship connect uh contender yeah bottom line um i would i have to admit to you that you know i i think back then it would have been a lot of yelling a lot of frustration and mm-hmm. a lot of like you know just like what are we doing out here right and i don't it doesn't look to be the case for coach petrie I think he handled it very very well his team bounced right back mm-hmm. but to, to more forwardly answer your question um, moving on and, and being able to progress within the coaching realm, you, you do have to take an idea of, you know, who you played and the type of season that these guys are having. And, and the fact that it's a baseball game. Mm-hmm. First of all, Celine is loaded always. They're a great program. And the game, like you said, is two to one. It's not 23 to one. Mm-hmm. So it was a competitive baseball game. There are days when bats go silent just as much as there are days when bats cannot seem to miss a baseball. Mm-hmm. So my message with them to them would be, Hey, let's come back. Let's get right back on it. Let's do what we do and put the past behind us because truly there isn't anything that you can do about it. And I know that sounds cliche. Let's go game to game, mm-hmm. but it's even deeper than that. It's pitch, pitch to pitch. Yep. And so, you know, you, you, it's incumbent upon the coach to deliver the message to the players that, we're not going to worry about the fact that we lost a baseball game. We're going to continue this train moving forward and, and try to accomplish the goals that we have. Um, you know, as a player, I think it does something to you, though. It, it makes you realize how fragile these types of seasons are. And I, I hope that is the case for these players because, you know, the, the warning shot, I would say, from a player's perspective is, you know, it's very easy to start reading your clippings and, um, <laughs> you know, tweets and everything else like that it's a whole nother thing when you're humbled and, and to see how you react to it. So um, from a player to player standpoint, it's just like, Hey boys, let's not, let's make sure that we come into these games focused so that something like this doesn't happen again. Some big performances from some players looking to take it to the next level. And with that, let's move on to talk with a player who is living the dream at the, as the, at the D one, please welcome from Northern Kentucky university, Noah Fisher. Noah, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. So Noah, uh, first of all, great to see you. You know I miss you, and um, I'm, but I do get a chance to watch you on ESPN Plus, so that's a good thing. I like and it. Full disclosure, everyone. Noah's a former player of mine. Um, I just thought with the the candid nature of our show that it would be a good thing to have somebody on with a little bit of familiarity and talk, you know, relatively openly about like experiences through the D1 ranks. So Noah, I know your background, but let's tell everybody at home a little bit about how you became, you know, enthralled and in love with the game of baseball and then your journey to get you to where you landed right here, right now at this time and place. Wow. All right. So, um, I mean, I went to Lanphier. I absolutely love my time there. You and I could talk baseball during class for hours and hours. (laughs) (laughs) No, he taught you so much. That's where you're just supposed to say and cut it. (laughs) But I mean, just the improvement, everything going through travel ball in high school. I mean, I've, I've always had a love for the game. I've always loved talking about the game and just being around it, no matter what, whether it be the training with other guys, just being at the field. I mean, it's just everything about it. I love high school competition, uh, going through a green process and everything. It was just, I, I loved every bit of it. And then going to college too. I mean, everyone has that time period where, they are trying to find a place to call home for the next four years and um, grateful to be where I'm at right now. I mean, it's, it's been such a great ride, crazy ride as well, but yeah, I'm blessed. It's awesome. 
No, for sure. I mean, you know, you're our first uh, Division One player that we've had on the show. Um, you know, we've talked to a couple of other high school guys. You know, some are going to Clemson, some are going to community college. They're going to all levels, right? So uh, really glad we could have you on. Just give me, for me, as a guy who um, is not a Division One athlete, uh, what's it like being, you know, a D1 baseball player? You know, I, I like to start with the good, if possible, you know, some of the better experiences that you've had um, being, you know, getting the privilege of being a Division One athlete because, for as many people as we're going to talk to and for all the, all the players out there, you know, D one just isn't going to be for everybody. Right. So you, you know, you're, you're playing the top competition week in and week out, you know, what, what is that like? And, you know, you know, give me the highlights. No, exactly. So, I mean, obviously my school, we're in major division one. I mean, I'm not have the same experience as a guy who goes to Clemson or, or Arkansas or someplace like that. But I mean, I can give you a, I'd say a day in the life almost of pre COVID because now with COVID, <laughs> Right. Everything's online learning. It's all Zoom calls and everything like that. But uh, pre-COVID, I mean, we're waking up, lifts are at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and then we've got class from about 9 to 1. You've got mm-hmm. early work at the field, practice from about 3 to 6. And then depending if you're a transfer or a freshman, you've got study tables you have to do, and that's pretty much your day. You have a little <laughs> bit of time to wind down. But, I mean, it's, it's a full-time job, and, and that's a serious point, too. I mean, there's, there's a reason that it's called student athlete as well, because just cause you're an athlete too, you have to hold up your grades and especially here too. I mean, they, our, our academic advisors are awesome. They are always helping us with classes. They're always helping us with our schedules and making sure that we're on track for graduation. So that I believe is one great benefit that, I mean, I, I feel like there are moments where we've had athletes that are falling off grade wise, but our academic advisors are on that. And if you're falling off and you need to kind of get a kick in the butt and say, Hey, focus up, they're there to give you it. And those little things just help out throughout the day and throughout the weeks with them, especially with finals coming up with me right now. Um, and just, I mean, other amenities too, it's, I'm a gear guy. I love gear. Wool loves gear. Always have, <laughs> but I mean, that's a little more. Hint, hint. <laughs> we can always use more. But it's just that that's one of the great aspects too. I mean, I, I love our colors. Black and yellow is great. The blue is awesome too. Well, but (laughs) yeah, so that's, it's just, it's great. I mean, like I said, there's going to be different aspects, but we, we treated great here. I mean, there's the work we put in, I I feel like we're treated correctly for, and I, I love it. I love every bit of it. So let, let me let me help you unpack that a little bit too, because I do believe that there's a, a real differentiation between the high school experience and the and the college experience. You know, obviously mm-hmm. going through high school and, and you being a public school kid, you grew up with a lot of the teammates that you played with and everything, and there was a certain skill set that they possessed. And then you moved on to the next level. And I know for a fact that you've made some great friends, friends that you're gonna have for a lifetime, right? But they possess yeah. a different skill set. Can you talk a little bit about how you can go about maintaining friendships at this level um, while still competing, you know, cheering for the guy. And I, and, and this question is going to sound tough, but I, yeah. I've been there myself cheering for the guy, but also hoping in the back of your head that he doesn't do too great because you're competing <laughs> for that same job. So right. help people understand and wrap their heads around it, that if they have this goal of playing at the division one or even any level in college, how that chemistry still works from teammate to teammate, but yet still you have to compete against this guy at the highest level. So the basis of that to me is culture. Here we have a culture uh, and we have wristbands as well for it too. play for you, play for them, play for them is that specific part you're talking about. We're playing for the guy next to us because at the end of the day, what do we want? We all want to ring. We all want championships. We want to win for me, horizon. We want to win that horizon league tournament. If, if say you're not playing, like you said, which is a reality in college ball, if a guy in front of you is going off, he's playing well, your chances are not high of going in. But at that aspect, you have to cheer for that guy because you have to be that you, you have to say in that moment, OK, if I'm not playing, what can I do? I have to be the best teammate possible to the guy next to me. Because at that rate, that's how you can that's how you can contribute to your team. And that's how you have to yeah, that's how you have to look at it in my perspective, because. I mean, for me, at least here, uh, you asked earlier, like the, the, the great aspects about college baseball. And to me, the guys are the number one. I mean, we've had guys before, love the dude to death. His name was Colin Homan. 
he ended up falling out of love with baseball. He was a catcher, um, wasn't playing as much, but he stayed here for pretty much an entire year because of the guys alone. And that just shows you how special these relationships are that we have. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. You know, I I really like hearing that and I, and I'm going to steal that. I I oftentimes will steal things from these uh, talks that I have from players who've gone away and brought that Mm -hmm. back because that's such a difficult thing for even just the regular high school kid who's maybe not getting that opportunity, let alone, and there's no pun intended here, the big fish, right? And that's exactly what you were when you were here at Lanfear High School, right? You were the big fish. You had everything going. It was clicking on all cylinders. And then you arrive at Division One, and that comes with a whole new set of, of standards, exactly. obligations, and everything. So talk to people about, you know, I, I like to, again, use the word pie-eyed because that that is exactly how I was. When I watched some of my teammates take batting practice my freshman year out at Oakland, I was like, oh, wow. This is where yeah. I am. Talk about yeah. that experience where you can start to measure yourself up and what that can do to you mentally. And, and then talk a little bit about how you can work to overcome that. All right. So like you said, when I was at Lanfear, I mean, switching from that to college ball, especially at the divisional level. Um, I mean, we've talked about him before, but my first day seeing Griffin Dorshing, he won the college Roman Derby, watching him take batting practice and then me following up. <laughs> that's that's an eye-opening thing for a guy and as we we all have our our pride and everything too and when you see your balls going about 50 to 100 feet less in that aspect you're like wow this this is how it is it's it's the real world that they hit you in the face but i mean you like i said earlier you have to control what you can control you have guys around you you know their skill sets but you're all there for a reason. That guy's there for his reason. You're there for your reason. You wouldn't have got there if that coach didn't believe that you had that proper skill set to be in that position you're in. So you have to realize that in yourself and know that you just have to stick to what, if it's hitting wise, stick to your approach. Cause if you see guys that are hitting better than you, hitting hitting farther than you, you can't try to just swing big and everything like that. Or, Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you have to focus on what you can control yourself and stick to the little things, focus on the process throughout the whole thing. Because if you look at end goal and you say, man, in this situation, this guy, me and him are fighting for a spot. If I don't get this hit and he gets a hit, I might not play and he will. That's just a horrible way to look at it. And you have to just dial it down to your own specific goals. Mm -hmm. I look at it as say your A circle. In my A circle at this moment, it's not, Oh, uh, if I don't get this hit, will I not play? Or um, if I strike out, is am I going to get yelled at? You have to look at it, say I'm at the plate. How am I going to hit this ball? Right. How yeah. hard am I going to hit It's just the simple things you have to think about that are going to be beneficial to your game at the moment. Mm-hmm. Because especially playing-wise, and I mean, we'll play, he could tell you the exact same thing in the past. I mean, that we all have thoughts in our mind during some games that are completely unnecessary for us to think about in that moment. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize that we have to push out all those unnecessary thoughts, especially when there's a situation where we might possibly know that a guy is better than you, but if he's not better than you mentally, that's a whole other story. Yep. Yeah. I actually want to pick up on that too, because I think that's, that's such, you know, I think a forgotten uh, part of baseball, a lot of times for some, some of the outside people looking in, talk to me a little bit about, about the mental side of it. Right. And the, in the eye-opening experience from, you know, going from being a big fish in a small pond to just being a regular sized fish in a massive ocean, right. Is, um, you know, how, how did, you know, how did you manage that? Or, you know, do you have any tips or anything for anybody listening to, for those kids that are going from high school to college, you know, how did you manage that? Because like you just said, you could eat yourself alive and, and it's all because of you, right? You could have all the physical tools in the world, but if mentally you're not checked in and you're not in the right headspace, you're doomed before you even step out on the field. So I will be the first one to tell you my mental game going into college was absolutely atrocious. And when stuff started to go bad for me, the first thing that I started to do was try to improve my body because I thought if I can perform physically at my, at my peak, at my best, the way that I perform, that's going to get me to the point where I need to go. But when even that wasn't enough, I realized that as much work as I was putting into my body physically, I had to put it into my mind mentally. So I started ordering books. I mean, I, I 
I've had heads up baseball, mental game of baseball. I started reading and even non-baseball related books. I mean, I don't know if Wool knows this, but I am a freak for David Goggins. I absolutely love every bit that he has. I have his merchandise. I have all that. But the things he's teaching is stuff that's beneficial to athletes, to anybody in the world. And his main thing is your accountability mirror. You have to be accountable for your actions. And no matter what's going on around you, the uncontrollable factors of the game, no matter what that may be, you have to be able to look in your accountability mirror and realize the things that you can control and get better on that day. And as I started to improve my mental game more and more, then stuff started to flow easier. And I was able to focus better, like I said earlier, on the important things that are at hand. All the unnecessary thoughts that could be deterring and taking your body out of the equation and making your mind control your body. Mm-hmm. It, just, it, just, it just helps so much more once you realize that you have to put the same amount of effort into your mental side as you do your physical side. Okay, so that's a great point. And it's something that I feel like I'm banging my head against as a coach. So, and you need, you can be honest with me right here because it's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm a grown man and I get, you know, I, I can differentiate between how, you know, kids mature at different places. So knowing that, uh, that coaches, some of us will practice that mental game and preach that mental game. And I, I know you were exposed to it at high school. When did it, like, why did it slot, first of all, at a later time, even though it was being preached to you? And is there advice for a high school coach to still preach it, even though it might be falling on deaf ears at that point? You know, because you, you know you and I talked about that stuff, but you're admitting here in front of me that it wasn't necessarily, you, you probably yeah. looked at it as like some voodoo or something like that, where you were just like, what the Coach speak, it's coach talk, about? it's coach yeah. talk. <laughs> I, yeah. So can you, can you help? players understand that from the coach's point of view being so just recently released from that, you know, high school game. And now Mm -hmm. here you are and you've seemed to have grown as a man. So for me, at least I think high school aspect, we always talked about that stuff. And I believe for me, like you said earlier, the big fish in a small pond, I think has an effect in that. Okay. For sure. So when I, when I got here, and I started to face the trials and tribulations of college baseball and, and the struggles and the, and the little slumps that come in with it too, because I mean, they've got scouting reports on us every single, every single place we play, every single person we're playing knows us head to toe. Mm -hmm. And we have the same on other teams too. And it's just how it works. And it's fighting against that, that I have to physically get better. And that I feel as though I've gotten better at over the years, Mm -hmm. but For me, I think that in high school, at least coaching wise, you're not going to be able to get everybody to buy in. And you know that personally as well from when I was there. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to say that message and know that you're probably only going to get a couple people where that says, wow, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. That resonated with me. That, That just flipped a switch in my mind. It made me realize something that I didn't know before. And some guys, it's going to go in one year and it's going to go out the other. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's the fact. I'd say in college, it resonates with a lot of people. Right. And um, it's just a fact of the matter. So I think you preached it well in high school, but you have to realize that there's going to be guys that know it and that realize that that's great information, but there's also guys that aren't going to. Yeah. And sadly, that's the fact in that aspect. So so I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you and cut you off. So let's, because, because this is about high school baseball, Mm -hmm. right? What we really need to hammer home is to a coaches keep preaching it. Yes. Because it might reach that level at some point. It's just like being in the classroom. Right. I mean, you you remember my sophomore year, right? Exactly. You remember my sophomore year that I, for people who don't know, I went through an awful hitting slump. Absolutely terrible. I, I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And <laughs> it was in that time where that was my first experience of, okay, this isn't anything physical or mechanically wise. And I think that something that coaches still lack in that aspect, because like I said earlier, we have to improve ourselves mentally just as much physically. And I feel like that's not preached enough in the game because as I read these books of 
the mental game of baseball and heads up baseball. There are little cues and simple things that we can think about during the game mm-hmm. that can help us calm our minds down. Because when our mind starts to take over the body, the bodily controls of our swing path and simple things like that, how to feel the ground ball, how to throw a ground ball, or how to, how to throw a ball across the infield, just, just stuff like that. When the mind takes over, all of that just becomes just, just missed. It's gone. Yep. The mind can take over and it can, it can do terrible things if you don't know how to combat it in the correct and educated ways. Do you, do you so, think, let, I'm sorry, Rob, let me semicolon this as well then, yeah. and then unpack it even an, an, another step further. When you're mm-hmm. talking about it to now players yeah. that are these big fish, because in our neck of the woods, you are an extremely big fish when you have a college level talent, right? The How can, aside from access, right? Is there a, I don't know if there's a magic bullet or if I'm even framing the question the correct way. I, I, I'm curious what might be a path to try to get a player to, to get on that level a little bit quicker, you know, and, and I guess, I guess maybe right now we're saying it, but what, mm-hmm. you know, what might be a suggestion for a player to try to get on that level immediately? Because you, you're, 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 you're spitting out knowledge right now that yeah. is just, <laughs> it's great for baseball, right? But it's good for life. Because, you know, road rage, right? Let's take something extreme like that. What Mm -hmm. do you control versus what can't you get? You can't control the guy cutting you off. You can control what? How you react to it. How you react to it. Exactly. Yeah. So, though, I I guess, go ahead. No, take it away. I'm sorry. So, (laughs) in my aspects, the way that I got introduced to it was probably the harshest way. And that was dealing with that rock bottom feeling of, wow, I say can't hit right now. I can't do this. What can I do to help fix myself? I know I'm physically ready. I know I'm mechanically ready. What's the missing piece? And it has to be mentally. I mean, for, for guys who have gone through that feeling or may resonate, that may resonate with them. They may be in that aspect right now of hitting wise, where they feel like they're not able to control their barrel, control anything. And it could be something way beyond their swing. And, and hopefully that gets to them. But I mean, in my aspect, I had to go through it to understand it. Gotcha. Do so do you think that, um, you know, being a big fish like that and maybe not experiencing um, the level of struggle that you may not because you're kind of at the top of the level, right? Meaning that you're the guy, right? And, you know, even in my time throughout high school and even college, right? You can see people, you know, they're the guy, right? So you don't have to overcome that adversity sometimes because even if the mental side isn't in play, you're physically just so much more gifted and more talented that you you, you kind of can lean back on that a little bit more. So you don't have to you know, reinforce the mental side of the game. Do you think that kind of gets in a lot of people's heads? A hundred percent. I mean, like, like I said earlier, that happened with me and I'll fully admit that. I mean, my junior and senior year, I felt as though I was on complete autopilot in high school. I was just going, I showed up to the field, not a thought in my mind. I was doing my same routine as always. And I was just playing. I was having dingers, hitting dingers. Exactly. (laughs) Trying to go out there and hit the ball as far as I can. Right. and, and as you slowly get on past that point, and I went to college and I realized, okay, these guys are, these guys are good. And these guys grind just like I grind, because that was another aspect too, that I was new to as well in high school. I mean, especially like on our team, they, I, I was one of, I'd say few guys who would go that extra mile when nobody was watching right. and doing stuff on my own. Right. And when I got here, every single guy, I mean, practice is over. Guys are staying, get more swings. Before practice, we have early work. There are guys there in the morning just hitting off a tee at 8, 9 a.m. before their classes start because they're up. They had just gotten a workout in. That was another eye-opening thing to me of, wow, I thought I was grinding my butt off before, but this is a whole other realm. And that gets you too. I mean, there's, there's little things that you – come into and you see like I'm no longer this big fish like you said and and that can definitely be a thing and that can also be another trigger of I have to start focusing more on this side of the game 
You know, it's really interesting to hear you talk like this. And I, I couldn't be more proud of you because we all come to certain things in our, in our lives at certain points. And obviously this is something that you've given a lot of thought to and it's helped mm -hmm. you in, in so many different aspects. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit and, and let's refocus on, you know, the idea of this recruiting process, because that comes with trials and tribulations and adversities all in its own mm -hmm. share with everyone also, because one of the things that you left out was that your road was not a smooth one to division one at all. You know, yeah. there were a number of phone calls that I made a number of phone calls that your summer coach had made. And a lot of times those calls would just fall, you know, and no, it's not the kind of guy that we're looking for. Yeah. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Okay. Now when we're talking about that process, give the words of encouragement to people that the place that they need to be is there. How did that come to be for you? And, you know, Rob framed the question this way, how'd you wind up in Northern Kentucky? So take <laughs> people down that road with the whole recruiting process. So it's the common cliche of saying, trust the process. Everyone hears it. Everyone knows it, but damn, is it true? It is so true, especially in my in my room, because I came in freshman year and even my sophomore year as well. And sophomore year was when I really started to go to new camps. I mean, I was at like University of Cincinnati camps. I was at camps all over the Michigan, Ohio area. And I was told by a couple of people that there was probably not a chance that I was going to play past high school level. And that hearing that after playing baseball for so long and having my goals set, that's a tough moment and a tough thing to hear as a person. Absolutely. And you're 16 years old. Yeah. No I'm kidding. When I heard that, that too. Take that on the chin. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was after that, I believe that I started to kick everything into hyperdrive because I realized this is exactly what I want to do. And after hearing those kind of things as well, and me described as a player when I know that I had the ability once I improved further and further that I could get there. That's when I really started to go after it. And that, that was the time period where there were things that I was doing that no one saw. I mean, early workouts, staying, doing extra reps when I was at my training facility for hours, doing everything that I could just throw in a ball against a wall at my house. I mean, I was doing everything to my ability to get to that point. And finally, I believe it was, it wasn't until my junior year of high school. I had a great season that year because obviously we know what's happened sophomore year. I had a great <laughs> that year, junior year. And I finally heard from my first coach. And that was at Lake Erie College here. Awesome guy. Um, and going and visiting the campus as well for guys who are going through a recruiting process, if you don't schedule one through the coach, um, just going and seeing campuses, just seeing the vibe and everything, that was what really hit home for me. And skipping a beat a little bit, but that's what hit home for me here at NKU. Mm -hmm. What Absolutely. I showed up and I was playing a tournament down here in my junior year summer. I was just playing a tournament here and I had played here for two years in the Cincy Flames tournament. And there were games at NKU and I saw the campus. I'm like, well, this place is nice. It's not too big. It's, it seemed like a great size. Um, people here are super nice. And that was one of the things that hit home. But I mean, like you said, it was, it was a rocky experience. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many, how many camps I went to places, how many emails I sent. I sent emails just randomly saying, Hey, here's a video. This is me. Um, What's, what's your recruiting like? Da, 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 da. Do you guys have a camp coming up? Some of those emails weren't even answered. Um, and that's the, that's the tough truth, truth about it. I mean, like you said, there were phone calls made. Uh, we know, <laughs> we know a place. So it's just stuff happens quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know exactly the place you're talking about. A division two college just said this kid's never going to hit for power and uh, name a couple yeah. of the stadiums. You've hit a couple home runs in. At, yeah. At I mean, freshman year coming in and hitting a stadium at Alabama roll tide, hitting a bomb there. That felt pretty good. My first weekend, I went eight for 16 with a home run in my first collegiate series. And yeah, so far, I don't know how many I've racked up career wise, but 
I think I had four last year and five my freshman year. So yeah, that was, that's a good feeling there. That one felt good. And that goes to show you that you do not have to believe the naysayers. You have to believe in yourself, right? And and also explain to people the circumstances that you were discovered by Coach Aslan and and Northern Kentucky. They weren't looking at you, right? So I was at, like I said, a Cincy Flames tournament down here. I was playing in some foggy hill baseball field called New Richmond High School. And I was just there playing a normal game. I mean, it was rainy. It was bad outside. And I just had a great game that game. I mean, I made at least seven or eight plays at short. I think I went three for four using, oh, my God, I think it was a 35-inch wood bat for some reason. (laughs) For some reason, I had a 35-inch wood bat that I was using. I choked up a little bit on it, but I love the whip that that thing had. I'll stand by that for the rest of my life. But I just had a great game that day. And it was a time and place thing. I got done and he was just standing there outside the dugout. And I was just walking back to my car and he stopped me and we just started talking. And he's like, Hey, I mean, campus is right nearby. If you want to come take a visit and just see how you like it. And that day I took a visit, walked around campus with the assistant coaches, went in his office and he offered me on the spot Wow! after meeting me. That's cool. Wow. Me on, uh, gave me, I, he gave me a couple of days to decide. And at that time, offers that I had were minimal to almost none. And I talked to my family and I said, this is, this is the place I want to be at. Can I, can I interrupt here real quick here? Just, yeah. just, uh, just to, before you keep going, um, talk about just real quick, the feeling of vindication you get from being, you know, when you're starting out your college career and saying that, yeah, you're, you know, this is probably the end for you as high school to now having somebody believe in you and say, here you go, sign on the dotted line, you know, you're, you're a part so, of us. So this is the funny thing. I walked out of that office that day and I physically did not know that he had offered me. My <laughs> had told me, did you hear what he said in there? And I said, no, what did he say? And he, she was like, he offered you like, scholarship and i'm like that's what oh. those numbers were that he was, <laughs> he was on? like that's what those that's what that percentage was that's he, fantastic he was, like, he was like yeah dummy that that's what just happened and i'm like and then oh. that, that moment yeah. right i couldn't i couldn't describe that feeling it was instant of just oh that just happened I, i'm okay. laughing noah because i've had those experiences with you where yeah you, I, I almost call it like the Noah Fisher catatonic level where you, I, I don't think that it all processes in your brain. You're like, this guy's telling me something good. And then you're, <laughs> and you're like, and then it doesn't register until later. And you're like, oh, wait, that was really good. I, yeah. I it's the and Joey from really Friends good. look, right? Where everyone else yeah. kicks up on it. And then five <laughs> seconds later, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> that was the funniest part about it all. And it was a delayed reaction because I got done with the meeting shift the guy's hand, everything. And I walked out and my mom has to tell me, do you realize what just happened? And I'm like, no, what happened? That's fantastic. So let's, we, you know, we've had John line here for a little while, so we're mm-hmm. going to start to shake you loose here. So let me, let me give you one of these. And then, you know, Rob can ask one more himself. I'm yeah. sure he's got another doozy up, you know, up his sleeve. Um, <laughs> give me one of the, the best standout moments for you. Right. Um, and then give me one of the, let, let's start with this one. Give me the, one of the more challenging aspects of the, uh, of the entire process that you've been through at the collegiate level. What was like the one thing where you were like, Oh, this is really, this is serious stuff. And then what was one of the most incredible things that's happened? Mm, I would say one of the most serious things, and it actually was a play that occurred. Yeah. Was my, my freshman year, we were playing at UIC, yep. University of Chicago. Okay. Uh, at that time, I was an aggressive hitter, but defensively, I was passive. And I'll, I'll admit that I've gotten, I mean, so much better since that time. And that's something that I've trained on extremely. Yeah. Um, but I was a passive defensive player. And there was a short fly ball that went into the dreaded triangle of the outfield. Yeah. But I was the only one that could have had to play on potentially. And instead of going at it as hard as I could, I kind of let up and tried to see if one of the outfielders would come and get it, but they couldn't. And I, I heard about it, about <laughs> it good. And I, I got, I got pulled right there. That half inning ended. I got pulled. And that was an eye opening thing of 
just let it all out. Like just play as hard as you can. Yeah. Who cares if you mess up? Because in that situation, I realized, and I, I'm an overthinker, especially baseball wise, I've gotten much better about it, but scenarios started to play in my head of, okay, if I went as hard as I could at that ball, if I dove at that ball, if I looked like an idiot diving for that ball, it doesn't matter because I tried as hard as I could to get there. And I showed that, right. but the fact that I held up and the fact that I was passive and didn't want to potentially mess up, that's worse than me making an aggressive mistake. So I think that was Absolutely. one of the, and, and after that weekend, I didn't play for a while and I had been playing for pretty much every game that season too. So that was the first a collegiate I experience of, okay, you realize how quick this can be taken away and you have to be grateful for those aspects. And then, Oh my gosh, standout experience. I would say, honestly, like we talked about earlier, that home run at Alabama, that was the first big moment where I said, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is absolutely insane. Because I looked at the stage that I was on, I looked at the stadium, the fans there, and after that day, I truly thought about the past and the past four years of grinding and the things that I've heard as me of a player, good and bad, all in between, that led to that point. I mean, an experience like that as a baseball player, too, that, that'll get your mind going. So that that. I, I think about that all the time. If I'm hitting, I think about that moment that I hit that and how good that felt. And I don't know if I could ever replicate that, but yeah, that's, that was awesome. a cool moment. It's a break all moment, right? It's when the dam crashes down and you go, okay, like if, if I don't do anything else, I made it. Uh-huh. Right? It's that, it's that last check of approval to say, I did everything I wanted to do. I've proven it now on a, on the biggest mm-hmm. stage as possible. Right. So that's yeah. fantastic. All right. A little bit of a less taxing question here before we get into our mm-hmm. rapid fire segment to end the show. Um, because I am also a fellow Lanfear Ram myself. Do you have a favorite memory uh, from your, uh, from your Lanfear Ram days? You know, um, even if it's not baseball, maybe it's a different sport. You know, Wooly was too mean that day. I don't know. <laughs> I will say baseball wise, and Wool knows I'm going to say this, but the walk-off home run, that was probably one of my most memorable baseball moments. All right, set, set the stage a little bit because I'm, I'm a little bit on the dark. I can picture you hitting a home run. That I got, but I'm going to need a little All bit right. more. <laughs> so, so ironic you say this because this was just brought up yesterday. So before that game, too, the last couple versus of games, Marine right, City Versus Marine City. You, I don't know if you remember, but I was struggling those last couple games before that day. I was, <laughs> I was struggling bad. And I, it was just one of those weeks where I just, like I said earlier, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. I didn't know what was going on. It was a double header. And I remember the last at bat of the first game, I hit a double and it was like a weight off my shoulders almost. And the next game, I don't know how many hits I had, but in that moment, pitch came right off the bat. I was like, that's gone. And I know it is. And we were, we were tied the whole game and us in Marine city, I wouldn't say it was much of a rivalry, but I mean, we always had tight games against them every single time we played. It was late too. Sun was going down. I mean, it was, it was such a great setting to be in and such a relieving feeling, especially after having a couple hard days and a couple hard games before that. And after that, I think for the rest of the season, I took off. But that that was one of the most incredible feelings in high school, too. And up until this point in my baseball career, rest of your high school career, 100 percent. There was a light switch type moment where it just fell into place. And, you know, I um, I I'm a huge believer in you're exactly in the place you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be at that exact moment. And that Mm -hmm. was your time. I I I I have it in my memory, burned in my memory. And um, it was ironic because people were there that weren't even in high school yet. We, Lanfear, just pulled off a, a pretty good win for us against Country Day yesterday in a walk-off fashion. And I said yeah. that to the player who did it, Aiden McGinnis. I said, Aiden, I want you to soak this in because this is something that you will never forget for the rest of your life. Nope. And it is a, it's a feeling of, I belong here. This is what yeah. I'm supposed to be doing. 
And, and that's, I, I, I just remember seeing it on your face and seeing it in your body language for the rest of your life. And that's why to me, it was really cool that you brought up the Alabama moment because look, Noah, not only you, I, all of us need those moments where we look at something that we may not have noticed at that particular moment. And, and in pond reflection, you're like, Oh my God, thank God it was there at that time, you know, and and just a small microcosm of that yesterday, we had the bases loaded and one of our guys almost got picked at third, should have been picked at third, third baseman drops it next pitch, grand slam home run. (laughs) And those scenarios set up those ways and people who, you know, believe in religion, think that it's, you know, a higher purpose. And those who people just understand circumstances know that that was supposed to happen at that particular moment. That happened for a reason. That's right. Right. End of story. So I'm just, I'm glad that you're able to consume that, enjoy it, remember that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome. I think that's a great thing. And you're correct. He's going to, I'm glad you said that to him too, because that true, he's not the good. The thing is, he's not going to understand that. He's not going to understand that for a couple of years, but no matter where life takes him, he's going to realize that that moment too, it's, he's going to remember that for a long time. And that's him. Couldn't be happy for him. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful exactly. part of it's a beautiful part of sports, honestly, right? It's everyone, anybody who's an athlete, who's any who's been out there and gave it a hundred percent. You all have those moments, right? To where you said, you know, you left it all out there and you made the play. Um, so that's the beauty. That's the biggest reason why we're here, honestly, is for that right there. Um, all right, let's jump into the rapid fire segment. This is one of my favorite segments on the show. Um, a lot less hard hitting, more just to get to know you, Noah, uh, as a dude. Um, so I guess I'll start it off here with uh, favorite video game. You know, for the five minutes a day that you have to yourself. Oh, Call of Duty, hundred <laughs> percent. Big Call of Duty guy. Me, me, and all the teammates. I mean. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was wondering if you were all nerding out on the headsets and everything like that too. So that's yeah. good. We're rocking in about two hours. That's, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> Speaking of rocking, what's, what's the walk-up song right now? Oh, well, so we have three, we have three different walk-ups uh, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday is young thug check, a nice chill rap vibe. Saturday is Jekyll and Hyde by oh, five. Geez. Death punch, yeah. Went so aggressive big, quick. Big, big flip, <laughs> big flip there. Yeah. And then and then Sunday is uh show out by Pop Smoke. Another another rap. Last year I went with two rock songs, one rap song. This year I went for more of the chill vibes, obviously, except for Jeff and Hyde. But yeah, the, I, I like to get a little bit of everything in there. I like that. That's good diversity right there. Good job. Beautiful. Uh, You got a unique pregame ritual, something, you know, some people eat chocolate chip cookies before a game. Other people throw dust in the air like LeBron. You know, you got something that you do that's unique to you? I'd have, I mean. This dude. Right right now, I would definitely say the thing I do before every single game is I get some kind of workout in just to get the body moving. Like it, it can be me just going in and no joke, ripping out a set of buys and tries. But if I go in that gym and I just can walk for a second, I could do something. I mean, as, as weird as that sounds, I just have to go in and do something. And that mentally just flips the switch and gets me ready. You're a machine, and I, bro. And I also, too, I mean, I, I usually take a scoop of pre, pre-workout before the games. I mean, it's it's probably terrible for me. Happy <laughs> addiction's terrible. But, yeah, that's I, I do that every single game gets me ready, gets me going. All right. Speaking of things that might not be on the training table, but we all love tacos or pizza, which would you choose? Pizza hundred percent. I'll go in that too. Yeah. Favorite one is, uh, has to be Papa John's the meat. Really? Papa with John's ranch, with, with ranch. On right. the side. Are those still down? Are they down in your neck of the woods? You got Papa John's down there? Oh, we got one 1.2 miles away. I know. <laughs> He's got it down to a science. He's got it down I, to a science. I got that. <laughs> um, all right, next one here. Um, I think this is more of an insight. Well, I'm assuming you played golf at some point in, in your high school career. So are golfers athletes? Knowing the answer I to the question. Yeah, <laughs> considering the fact that I just shot around about a week and a half ago. And if, if a sport can make you want to throw the instrument, as in the club, 
as far as physically possible when a shot is messed up, yeah, oh, is, yeah. they are hundred percent athletes and I give them all the credit in the world. I, uh, I can't play golf to save my life. So <laughs> mental, <laughs> mentally strong athletes, because that game is the most taxing game there is. Yep. You look at it and you go, how can I hit a 90 mile an hour fastball coming at me? And I can't hit a ball on a tee with an oversized head straight stationary, okay. by the way, the ball's not moving. Yep. yep. <laughs> Don't get it. Can you Don't keep your it. head down? Nope. Sure. Can't. <laughs> I, I've said, I said it last week and I'll say it every time I go play a course, I would rather face 96 with two C movement on it than hit that first tee shot in front of a clubhouse full. <laughs> I know. There's no worse feeling. I, there, is no, there is no comparable feeling to that, to that right there. I and I'll stand by that. I, I, refuse, I refuse to. I just don't do it. <laughs> I'd rather throw it down the fairway, look at him and say, Thanks guys. I'll, I'll, I'll drive the cart. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any major leaguers right now that you have either taken your entire game and modeled it after, or that you're like, Oh, I really like the way that guy plays. I'm going to try to like emulate some of that in my own game. I feel like this is somewhat biased because of the fact that he does train at two SP, but I love DJ LeMay. He was I love the fact that I mean, he is also a second baseman, but I just love how calm he is, but also how focused he is, too. I mean, you I, I barely heard the guy say more than three words at a time when he was training, but I love how locked in he is. I just love how calm he is and everything. I mean, I also love Javi Baez. I mean, I feel like every middle infielder loves him, everybody. Yeah. Or, but, but I would just say overall, LeMayhew for sure. All right, last one here before we wrap it up. Uh, this is the one that I really need to know about. Who's winning the World Series and why is it the Detroit Tigers? Gold <laughs> Tigers, baby. That's, well, I don't know if you saw that before, but hey, man. There we go. Yeah, I like hey. it. I like it. I like that one. It looks good. Oh, yes. <laughs> so those of you who are listening, which is this, yeah. this will be a, an audio podcast. Yeah. Noah just showed us his bicep, which, by the way, was bare leaving high school and no longer is bare. It is a complete sleeve, much <laughs> akin to uh, what you would see maybe perhaps on an Axel Rose or any Major League Baseball player to this day. But he's got a, <laughs> the old English D tatted up on the uh, bicep. So we can we can dream. You know what I'm saying? That it's yeah. Gonna be down. yeah. But let's use let's use some baseball sense. Who's, who's winning it this year? I mean, I'm surrounded by all of them too. And I hear it every, every single day, but the reds are looking hot right now. And I will say that the reds are looking hot. And I mean, if I support the the guys here, then I'll do that. I'll roll, I'll roll with them for the time being. All right. You guys heard it here first. The Cincinnati Reds are taking on that World Series championship. That's going to do it for this episode of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast. Our thanks to Noah Fisher once again for stopping by. We really appreciate your insight into the college game. For Adam Woolley, I'm Rob Medica saying thanks for tuning in and join us next week on the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast.